producer of period or lightning continents pads, you are probably not new to receiving negative feedback on your products. This doesn't mean you have a bad product. It just means it is hard to account for all the different factors that contribute to a positive consumer experience. And one of the most common issues that consumers of pads have is that the pads don't always stay in place during use. They move or they bunch up or they slide out of place throughout the course of the day. And if you've ever gone through the process of designing a pad, sourcing the materials, producing the pad, testing the performance, and then marketing and launching the product, I'm sure it can be frustrating to then still get reports on the pads not staying in place. Certainly for Bostic, who produce adhesives that help the pads stay in place, can be incredibly deflating for us when we get this feedback from our customers. Not only did we put a lot of effort and resources into producing the adhesive, but we are obviously invested in the success of the product that you are producing. And we have a big stake in your pad staying in place once it is applied into the undergarment of the user. So why is this happening? Why, after all the time, effort, resources, and investment that went into producing a pad, can it still fail to stay in place? Well, it could be because when you tested the product's ability to stay in place, you were testing the wrong thing. The peel test is the standard test for determining if a pad will stay in place in an undergarment and producers have been using it for a long time. Now, the peel test certainly has its benefits and reasons for being used, but as we'll see in the interview, it isn't very effective at measuring how well the product will stay in place once it's actually been applied to the undergarment and is being used. So, what else can a pad producer do besides testing peel to make sure their product is staying in place and satisfying consumers? Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the disposable hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible product and meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, I talk with Jill Shoy and Luke Burkholder from our team here at Bostic. Combined, they have over 20 years in developing adhesives for hygiene products and supporting customers in the development of their own products. And they were both involved in the development and optimization of a new patent-pending test method to better measure the stay-in-place performance of pads, which we at Bostic call the stability test method. They'll walk us through the consumer complaints they saw pertaining to stay-in-place, the challenges pad producers are dealing with, how different underwear fabrics play a major role in the stay-in-place performance of your pad, and how the development of the stability test method has forced us to rethink how pads should be designed. Before we play the interview, I want to make one quick request of our listeners. I love making this podcast, and I want Bostic to continue to create the best possible show for the disposable hygiene industry. The best way for us to do that is by getting feedback from you, our listeners. So we'd like to ask all of our listeners to take a quick three-minute survey to share your feedback on the show. You can tell us what you like, what you don't like, and even let us know what you'd like us to cover in future episodes. And as a thank you for filling out the survey, we'll send you our brand new corporate social responsibility white paper. 
The white paper will cover topics such as the importance of sustainable production and design, responsible manufacturing, the consumer need for safety and transparency, circularity and hygiene, and more. We won't be sharing access to the white paper with anyone else for weeks. So if you want early access, please take three minutes out of your day to complete the survey. To fill out the survey, go to attachedtohygiene.com and click the big button at the top of the page to share your feedback. We'll also share the link for the survey in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. And now we'll get back to the episode. Joining me today to discuss undergarment fabrics and stay in place for pad performance are Jill Shoy and Luke Burkholder. Jill, welcome to the show. And Luke, welcome back. Thanks, Jack. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. So as you know, we always like to ask our guests the same question, which is, what do you enjoy most about working in the hygiene industry? Luke, you've been asked this before, so I'll start with Jill, and then Luke, I'll ask you a different question. So Jill, what do you like most about working in the hygiene industry? I think it's because you can touch every part of a person's life. I've worked on baby diapers, and now I'm in hygiene, so I can talk to anyone about hygiene applications because you touch everybody. Yeah, no one will ever not use one of the products that that our adhesives go into. So or it's highly, highly unlikely that someone won't use those products. So yeah, I like how relatable it is. When you say our glue goes into these products, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. And Luke, since I've already asked you this question and we talked about it on your last episode, the question I'll ask this time is, what has been the most interesting project that you've worked on since being in the hygiene industry? Yeah, so honestly, I think it it touches on some of the things we're going to talk about today. Was this project that we had to develop a test method for how a pad stays in place? I I knew that I was getting into the hygiene industry when I took on this role now five plus years ago. I did not anticipate that we would be having really, really productive and open discussions about feminine hygiene products and menstruation and how those products are used, and then even getting deeper to how is the consumer experiencing that and how can we replicate that and demonstrate it? And we we had some very creative experiments that kind of didn't go anywhere. And we came up with a method that's that's practical and functional, that's given us some good stuff. We've we've patented it, we've trademarked the the test method now, and we're using it to to talk to customers about improving those products. So it's it's really been unexpected and fun and useful, you know, and it's it's a confluence of of all that. Yeah, I, similarly, we joined Bostic right around the same time. I think if you had told me five years ago that I would be doing a podcast or talking to people on the podcast about menstruation, the menstrual cycle, adult incontinence, anything that we talked about in the show, I wouldn't have seen it coming. So it it's definitely not where I thought my career path was going when I joined Bostic, but I've loved every minute of it and, and have learned learned a lot. And it's and it's good, right? It, we're normalizing that, I think, and, and, and I'll do it today, right? We're talking about garments and the user with their garment. Well, a lot of times that's a woman and it's her underwear yep. and she's menstruating. There's, there's menses going in there and kind of normalizing that and talking about it. I, I think it's it's a really interesting thing. Yeah. And I mean, so many people in the industry are, are working towards kind of destigmatizing menstruation, menstrual health, also adult incontinence. I mean, 
baby diapers, very widely accepted. No one's hiding those, <laughs> but menstrual health, adult incontinence or incontinence in general. Yeah, it's still a stigma carried around those. So the more we can do to break that down and eliminate that stigma, I think the better off the, the industry and, the, and the, the users in general are going to be. Yeah. And when I started Bostic, I would tell my friends what I do and what adhesives my products go into. And my female friends say, I think of you every month. And it's something <laughs> normal for a woman to talk about that. But in the industry, it's not as normal. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's a it's a new thing. It's a normalization for us as non-menstruators, you know. But but there's this whole other world that we're we're not aware of, and it's cool. Absolutely. So we'll dive right into the conversation. This is the the this episode will end up being the last in our series of on menstrual health, and we've heard a lot over the last several episodes about the the consumer, the the menstruator, and since they're at the center of what everyone in the industry is is focusing on is working towards uh, i think it's important that we we meet them again we reintroduce them so can you both reintroduce us to this consumer of menstrual health products so the consumer most likely female is a mix of ages first the young girl who's just getting her period for the first time new mom new grandma it can be many ages um, it's not bound by borders or cultures it's every woman will experience this throughout their life. One of the interesting facts I think is that a normal woman will spend almost seven years menstruating. That's 2,555 days. That just, it blows my mind. Yeah, such a, such a big part of uh, people's lives. And then what strikes me, not just the diversity of the people, but then the diversity of products and solutions. So we're going to talk about menstrual pads, right? Then there's tampons, there's liners, there's a combination of products. Every person is going to find what works right for them. And that's going to depend on availability, affordability. There's going to be cultural considerations. There's going to be cost considerations. So it's it's a diversity of people and then diversity of products. Yeah. And one thing in this area in general, the user is very brand loyal. Once they find something that works for them, they typically don't change. And that can be for early on in their using to alter life and actually influence the next generation. This is what I use now and give it to their daughters. This is what I have. And one thing that we have been seeing is maybe a more shift um, to the younger users that they're more apt to try different solutions, but with the different trends that we see in the market today. And, and trends not only of the menstrual products, but also diversity and trends in the underwear that that is going on. And we'll talk about fabrics in a little bit, but it can be, you know, different, different fabrics, different cuts, different styles, different body types, uh, and, and making all that stuff work. Yeah, and you know, Luke, to that point, it, it has to be a huge challenge for producers. And obviously, Bostic's a huge part of that, given that our Pad attachment adhesives play a big role in making sure that pads can stick to all those different materials for different body types in different conditions. It's definitely a challenge. It's not just, oh, we make adhesive and and it, you know, it sticks to the underwear. You have to think about all those different factors and, and we'll, we'll touch on all those, but it's a it's definitely a big challenge. And Jill, to, to your point, we've had several people come on and talk about the loyalty of consumers and and how that is changing a little bit. But 
it's easy to understand why if you find a product that works for something like this that you you experience every month, you know it works, it's it's reliable, it's it doesn't leak, it sticks to your underwear, like you would understand why people would be brand loyal because it's such a huge part of your life. And the the risk of changing a product or trying a new product is relatively high if if something leaks, which most people most women, most people don't want other people to necessarily know. It's definitely a high barrier to switching products. And then you can understand why it is. But as you said, a lot, lot of people are, you know, a lot of younger consumers are open to that now, which is obviously increasing the competition in the market. And then I think we see that every year with new players and new products and 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 things like that. So it, it makes the to me, it makes this portion of the market very exciting and, and interesting to be a part of. Yeah, I can see in the past five, 10 years, the shift and such difference and more diverse players, the trends be more natural to be more body welcoming or body fitting. That's changed how consumers buy their pads today. Yeah. Yeah. Zoom out or look at a different part of it, like the business aspect. If you can get a consumer to switch to your product in this space, that's now that's a lifetime of business, right? So there's the there's the business aspect of it too that 2,500 days that you're going to be menstruating, if you can make that switch and you can drive that brand loyalty, deliver every time on what the product needs to do and lower the risk, the perception of risk, the fear of making a switch, once you get over that, you know, then there's a fear of switching back. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And related to that on the production side, the producer side, there's also that, that risk of changing the pad attachment adhesive. Because if you know it works and your consumers know it works, there's a high barrier to changing that as well, because you don't want to upset those consumers. You don't want to lose those lifelong consumers. And so obviously that can that can be very challenging for us as a as adhesive supplier for trying to have a customer switch to our adhesive. But it goes both ways for the consumer and the producer in wanting to make sure that you're not changing too much because there is a there's a risk to it. Yeah, the pad attachment adhesive is one of the only adhesives that a consumer will actually know is in a product. Most people don't know there's blue in baby diapers or adult attendance products, but women will know that there's blue at the bottom of their pad. Yeah. And from early on in life, you're kind of unknowingly trained of how it's supposed to feel, how it's supposed to work, and any change or perceived change could affect usage. Yeah. And the manufacturers that we work with are really quality-driven organizations, consistent production, execution-driven organizations. And you're right. When they have something that works, maybe you can come up with an interesting potential improvement. But boy, you better you better be able to do your homework and demonstrate that that's really going to be better and it's not going to compromise any of the current good features of that product before they're willing to make a switch. So that brand loyalty or that adhesive loyalty or, or product loyalty is not even just at the consumer level, right? It's even at the manufacturer level. Yeah, yeah. The big challenge for us. <laughs> so want to d- dive into the kind of the needs of, of these consumers. You've touched on it a little bit, but overall, what are they looking for? What do they need when it comes to choosing a menstrual product? So we've already touched on it and said, um, what I like to say, the pad has to work and not fail. It has to work every day 
in the same way. So it has to be able to absorb, not cause leakage. It has to be able to meet the needs of the consumer, whatever she's doing, not just when she's sleeping or when she's sitting in an office so she's running or chasing children around the house and not knowing when she'll be able to change a pad. So not having that worry to be able to give her the confidence that she is able to live her normal life, a typical standard day. Yeah. And if I can take a complex problem and break it down, right, that's what I like to do. So kind of beginning, middle, end, we've got to be able to deliver it to the consumer. So it's got to sit on the shelf. It's got to sit under the bathroom cabinet or wherever it lives. And it's got to come off the release liner, be easy to apply, kind of easy to work with, maybe reposition. Then in use, it's got to be, you know, ideally it's something that's discreet. It doesn't have an odor. It stays where you want it. It works. It doesn't leak. And then at the time of removal and disposal, right, it, it comes off. It doesn't leave residue. It doesn't destroy the underwear. That process is, is easy, right? It makes, makes disposal easy. Yeah, and as Luke had touched on, it sits for a long time. So when we look at the life cycle of the adhesive, it's not just for two months. It might sit for a year before getting used, and the adhesive and the pad needs to work the same day one and day 365. Yeah, the, the example I thought of is somebody's using an overnight pad in addition to what they're using during the day. They may be using one of those pads per day. So if you got a pack of 30, that's going to be several months before those are all consumed. Yeah. And not to mention the time that that spends in finished goods inventory, then transit, then store inventory, then, you know, home inventory. And we talked about limits. So you don't want to limit activity during this. And you also don't want to limit choices. So as we touched on, there are different underwear types and different underwear fits. And that's not something that women want to give up during their menstrual cycle. So as I was thinking about it, the pad has to fit into the woman's life, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a really yep. good point. And, and and then it's it's just diversity of everything. So it's diversity of activity, diversity of clothing, diversity of body type, diversity of cultural experience. And if you can boil it down into, into one challenge for this material, these products, it's how do you make one thing that potentially every woman on the planet would be happy with? No, not easy. <laughs> not, not easy. So... Acknowledging that that's not easy and with all those needs in mind, what are some of the challenges for producers in meeting all those needs? Yeah. So we only get to pick, we, the industry, we only get to pick one of the substrates that the glue has to stick to, and that's the pad, right? So whatever film that that pad is made of, that is a, a choice that the producer has. And then the consumer is going to choose the, the other substrate, the underwear fabric from a, a super wide range of fabrics. Yeah. And where the fabrics come from and how they're put together changes all the time. So it has to represent what the consumer experience is. So we look at how we're going to test that. And what the industry looks at right now is peel. That's one thing that everyone can run and any machine or any lab is peel. It might be the most common, but it might not be what every pad sees. We know that pads see forces from X, Y, and Z axes at all times during use. And that's not something that we all test for. Yep. That, that peel force is every pad gets peeled off at least once, right? But 
it's used a lot longer than that few seconds that it's being peeled off. It's a huge part of the consumer experience. And there's a lot of places where things can go right or go wrong, but there's, there's other stuff going on too. Yeah. And I know we'll, we'll, we'll touch on all that and the, the test methods here in a minute, but wanted to dive into the, the fabric side of things. Cause as you said, Luke, we, as an industry choose one substrate that that adhesive has to stick to. And then it can be, obviously there's a relatively limited number of substrates that that then adhesive has to stick to, but it's a pretty wide variety and there's all sorts of factors that play into that. So can you touch on what are some of the most common fabrics being used today? For sure. So first step, what is the material, right? Cotton is very common. That's a cellulosic material that's used directly from the plant. Then there are cellulosic materials that are sort of pre-processed. So you can see rayon, modal, things that are made out of bamboo or made out of, you know, hemp or a certain plant. If it's not cotton, it usually means it's been processed somehow. It could be linen, but that's kind of used in a semi-direct process way. Then you get into synthetics. So polyester, nylon, I guess silk, wool is another natural fabric. And then, so there's, there's all that diversity. Then you blend them together. So you blend in some spandex, you blend 50% cotton, 50% polyester, you, you, you do all those different things. And then you've got the, the individual threads, the yarns, and that gets made into a garment. So it, it's usually knit and that can have certain thickness, stretch, texture, fuzziness, all those properties. And then you treat that surface. So you, you put some lubricants on it to, to kind of allow it to be processed in the first place. Things that improve the hand feel when it's on the shelf at the store or on a hanger. And then the, the consumer gets it. They wash it. They use fabric softener or not. They use hot, cold water or not. Maybe they use some lotion or not, and that gets on the garment. And so it's it's a lot of different materials made in a lot of different ways, treated in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And then you get to the consumer themselves that can pick any of those materials. So the different age groups, demographics, and team pick different materials or have different trends. So we've seen that in the older demographic, you have more cotton, more natural fibers because that's what they're more used to, and that's what they have grown up and used most of their lives. We see, as Luke mentioned, we have more of the blends and synthetics come into the market. You're getting more for body feel and body fit, and also for aesthetic. So you have to be able to attach to those. And then you look at different income levels. That could also affect what the consumer will buy something that is more expensive or more affluent purchaser might buy something that is more of a blend to give the feel and look and compare it to more of a cotton-based generic undergarment. Yeah, there's no catch-all. You need a product, you need adhesive that can stick to all of those things. I mean, you said there's differences among regions, but even that, I mean, it's not like every woman in the United States is using cotton or using silk or, you know, silk's very popular in Asia, but that doesn't mean every woman in Asia is using silk. And so you have to design a product, design an adhesive to really meet all those needs. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. And I want to, I want to dive deeper into that because through this work that we've done, we, we did uh, a deep dive into these different 
materials and these different fabrics. And when I was reviewing some of our learnings, like it was just incredibly interesting to me because it's something that I, not being a menstruator, never wearing a pad, don't have to worry about. I just choose my underwear fabric and go about my day. So can can you dive into some of the, the differences among the, the fabrics that we we studied? So when we start to think about fabric, kind of then from the top down, maybe kind of going the other way, what are the physical properties of that fabric? So we can we can stretch the fabric measure. It's modulus. It's it's some you know physical measure of its stretchiness in you know machine direction, cross direction, the direction we think that the the pad is going to be peeled off of it or that it's going to be used, and then that'll be affected by the materials, but also the way that they're the way it's knit, the way it's constructed together. And then we can kind of use even just like optical microscopy, just look at it and how often do you do you encounter a yarn, right? What is the structure of it? How fuzzy is it? What is it that we're sticking to as we're as we're trying to characterize that just kind of from a physical standpoint? Yeah. And as you talk about, we're even lab focused. So when we look at fabric, we look at a lot of stuff that we get from the lab, from a, a supplier, but that's not always what will be used in the pad usage every day. So um, we started looking at different surface treatments. So as Luke had mentioned, that when undergarments are made, they can have finishes on them, like a silicone, just pro softness for the consumer. How is that different when you apply adhesive to that versus once it's laundered? So we'll launder the fabric and look at that and see how the adhesive will adhere to that. Then we think about like fabric softener. What does that do to the knit of fabric? Will it make it fuzzier and that will give the adhesive more places to adhere to? And will that change how a consumer will perceive the peel? And we've talked, as you said, we have a lot of background in fabric. Um, we can almost talk about this for the entire hour. Yeah, I, I don't. I, we, <laughs> we'd have a three hour long podcast just talking about one episode on on fabrics. I'm wondering, though. Could you maybe sh- just to give our the the listeners kind of a, an idea, like could you choose one fabric and just kind of touch on some of the complexities around it? I don't know if it's if it's cotton or something like that. So one of the things that we do because we're trying to do science, and again, we have a really complex problem. How can you make that a, a series of simpler problems? Is to standardize around test methods and partly to standardize those test methods around certain material. So we can buy t-shirt cotton from a fabric supplier and we can buy the same fabric over and over again. We can get it in different labs around the world. We can test the same fabric today that was tested 10 years ago and have something that's a better apples to apples comparison. So then we we do that with cotton because that's Again, like the peel test, cotton is sort of perceived as being a standard garment fabric in some way. We can also get similar varieties of polyester, nylon, again, and and also sticking with a pure 100% cotton. Our polyester is 100% polyester. Our nylon is 100% nylon. And then try to make sure that those are in some corner of the box. So cotton is a sort of processed but unprocessed uh, natural cellulosic fiber. There's modal and rayon and and all these other things. Those are cellulose-like. The polyester and nylon are more synthetic. 
And so we, we kind of test on a couple of those. Then similar to the way that we've got peel force and now some of these newer methods, we, we actually have started to look at buying a pair of underwear and cutting a section out and, and testing on that to kind of make sure, you know, is that a new corner of the box? And when you're talking about we can buy the same fabric and from the same supplier every 10 years, we've also had the conversations, you know, with embossing, say we tested on cotton, but didn't realize we we're testing it on different cotton, even though it's a very common term, the knit was completely different and we were getting different results and not understanding why. Well, until we put the two samples next to each other, cotton is not always cotton. It's mm-hmm. how it's put together. So it's very almost an, another layer of complexity when talking about fabrics. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a learning opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we have, I have just from gleaning information from you and, but we, we did a, a whole white paper on this, on this specific topic of fabrics and, and the differences in fabrics and regions and, and whatnot. So we'll throw that into the show notes and would definitely encourage our listeners to go check that out. Cause to me, that was not taking anything away from any other piece of content that Bossix put out there. For me, that was the one I probably learned the most from again, just cause it's something that I've never had to think about, but it's, it was incredibly interesting. And then uh, we also did a webinar, Luke, we did a webinar last year on some of this. And so we'll link to that as well, which I'll touch on some of the topics we'll we'll talk on in, in a couple minutes as well. So with all that in mind, with, with consumer needs, different fabric options and the challenges for producers and and how those fabrics can be different, what did we do? What, what did Bostic do with all of this information to help try and improve the performance of pads? So I think we took a different approach this time. We actually took it from the consumer's perspective. So we went out and got the reviews from consumers and what with the industry experts and what consumer actually needs and what they actually think of a pad. We we discovered that stay in place was a huge need for improvements, even though that we think about glues being sticky, we didn't think about the pad moving overall. So we found that almost 50% of users reported an area of concern for staying in place almost 50% of the time, which is a huge number and a huge opportunity. Yeah, and, and we've had that kind of in the back of our heads. Half of the users having a problem half of the time just seems like this huge opportunity for improvement in this industry and kind of reiterates that peel by itself doesn't tell the whole story. We can't ignore peel. We can't say, oh, Stop looking at that. We've got this new thing. We have to build on it. We have to add to it. Yeah. So with that, as Luke mentioned at the beginning, um, working on a new test method, a stability test method for the past few years, being able to look at stay-in-place performance of a complete pad on any fabric on different applications has been a real learning experience for us. Yep. So now we've got a method where we we can test in a lab setting the forces that we've determined are appropriate and and relevant to the stay-in-place functionality, kind of bunching the pad, pushing it to the side, and sort of forward-thinking in the design of the method. We started just, again, with the simplest case, just the fresh pad on dry fabric, everything kind of new, but we've built it in such a way that we can insult the pads, we can we can add saline, we can add artificial menses to it, 
We can test it with and without adhesive. We can test it on any different fabric. So it kind of opens up this new world of, of possibilities. It means we don't have a decade plus of peel data to, to, to kind of build off of. We're generating all that data with this new method now, but it's kind of exciting to be starting that. Yeah. So what does that mean for the industry with this new tester? How, how can the industry improve based off of this, this stability test? So we've touched on it quite a bit that peel has always been the industry standard. And we've always thought that higher peel, that's more samples, you know, the stickier adhesive is, the less likely it is to move. But that's not always the case. Um, so we took a step back and asked if that was true. We looked at the peel of products on different fabrics, and then we looked at the stability test and then consumer feedback. How is that all interconnected? And as I said, the forces of a pad are not just one direction. So that gives us an idea of how the different forces and the adhesive will change in response to the different forces overall. So now with this new stability test method, we can look at a pad as a system, not just as glue on the back sheet. Which is really important for the in-use characteristics of the pad, because that's more directly related to the consumer experience, right? I can say the same thing in a different, a different way again, right? It only gets peeled off once. It's, it's under these lateral sort of shear forces for, for stay in place for hours or, or more, right? Yeah, so it's more, it's more real world experience, more real life stress that it would be under to really determine if the product's performing as it's intended to. And, and for this industry, for any industry, the more you're thinking about how the end user, the consumer, is going to interact with it, and the more you can do to, to understand that and improve it, I mean, the outcome can, can only be good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a, it's a better user experience, which is what we're said in many episodes, what we're all striving for, for sure. So combining the information we've already talked about, underwear fabric preferences, the stability test methods, what does this tell us? So we're building that up, right? And we're in the early stages of, of building that library of data to really understand everything. But now it lets us compare stay-in-place performance and then start to vary some of these factors. We can vary the pad design. We can, we can look at pads out in the market now and we can test them all in the same way. We can take one pad and we can test it on a variety of fabrics. We can take one pad and put multiple different adhesives on it and test it on one fabric. So now we're in this kind of a little bit one variable at a time, but also kind of design of experiments type thinking, if, if people are familiar with that, of, all right, I've got this multi-factor problem, you know, how do I put it together? And then build the quantitative kind of database for stay in place and then be able to compare that, right? Ultimately, be able to, to demonstrate an improvement of customer experience by however it is that you measure customer experience, right? <laughs> do you measure that one-off anecdotally? Do you measure it by online reviews? Do we partner with somebody to go a little, a little further with, you know, how does the consumer really interact with it? Yeah, and doing this... Uh, factor changing of the pad, we've been able to change the adhesive and look at the different adhesives in a more specific and uh, quantitative way that when we change the adhesive, we can see a difference 
in the stability testing, how the forces are changing when looking at different adhesives and different patterns. And that's actually what we're trying to move towards for the customer consumer satisfaction of the product. Yeah, it's taking things, I mean, as you've said already, it's taking things beyond just that simple, how does it peel? <laughs> what is the resistance when it peels, the force? It's that next level. And, and as you said, it's really putting the consumer experience kind of at, at the middle of it all. Yeah, it gives a, a, a bigger, completer picture of what, what's impacting the performance of your, of your pad, particularly around stay in place and then highly related to that, the consumer satisfaction. One thing that we talked about that not only the adhesive, but the design of the entire pad. So it's not something that Bostic has thought about in the past. That we just think about just the adhesive at the bottom of the pad being good or bad. It's how the entire pad is being put together and how everything works in the system and is what the consumer is actually seeing. Mm -hmm. So this test actually gives us that ability to start breaking apart the different factors. Yeah, I think that's been one of the kind of unexpected learnings of this whole journey is that the way the pad is is glued together inside with the way the back sheet is glued to the core, the core to the top sheet, whatever other layers are in there, can have an effect on the the way the pad stays in place and therefore the consumer's experience. Where I think before this project, it was, all right, we're going to get the best core. We're going to get the best back sheet. We're going to glue that together. And then we're going to put the best PFA on it. And all of those things will be, we can, we can make all those decisions individually. And we're seeing now, no, it's got to think of adhesion as, as a property of the system. It's not a property of the adhesive by itself. Yeah. And I think that's, we've talked about this in some, some other, uh, another slightly related podcast with Christoph Morell. He talked about, it's not just about using specific materials. It's looking at the entire design of the product. And in, in his case, we were talking about end of life, but obviously that has a huge impact on performance as well. And just, as you said, not just choosing the best adhesive, the best core, the best substrates, it's you know, when you combine all those, it might not be the best. And so it allows you to be a lot more granular with the choices that you're making and testing those to make sure that, again, the consumer has the best experience with your product. So obviously, we didn't just develop this test. We also tried to develop a product that performed the best for this test. And so we don't want this to be an overt advertisement. But we do want to touch on that because it is important to, to talk about, you know, not just having a test, but having products that can meet the needs of this test. Yeah. So the, the test is a means to an end, right? And that end is understanding the consumer experience, being able to kind of see how these different factors affect it. And then the next link in the chain in the journey is, can we develop an adhesive that, that maximizes those things? So that, that is what was done, was to develop a, a new pad fastening adhesive that would kind of maximize some of these parameters. Like you say, we don't necessarily want to advertise that today. What I want to advertise is the, the, like the mode of thinking, that it isn't just peel force, it isn't just the glue by itself that has a certain property and that's, that's the best. And I think we're starting to see situations where 
the glue that's been designed to maximize stay in place on, let's say, a full size Femcare pad might not be the best adhesive for stay in place on every hygiene pad. Mm -hmm. But if you're using these new modes of thinking and new tools, you'll you'll get to the right decision and find you know those key areas that will impact consumer satisfaction. Yeah. So as Luke said, that we took a different approach, but we still kept in mind what a pad attachment adhesive needs to do. It needs to be able to not leave residue when removed. It needs to be applied cleanly in the converter. And then we talk about peels, not everything, but still has to have a peel mm -hmm. that is market acceptable and gives us the same peel at different fabrics and different temperatures. Because again, as I said, women know what a pad is supposed to feel like being removed from underwear. Women will know that, oh, it's not as sticky. That must mean it's not as good. So it's one of those mm -hmm. weird little things that happen when you use a product over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and part of the consumer experience is the perception. So even things like the color of the box and the wrapper and the smell and like Jill said, the feel, the sound of, of the product, there's a certain set of expectations, right? So there's this, I feel like there's this even deeper level that, you know, maybe some of our manufacturer partners are are digging into because they're one link in the chain for closer. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're we're having to kind of manage all those things. Yeah. And we we talked about it on several episodes now, but uh, it doesn't really matter what the reality of your product is. If the perception of your product is that it's inferior, that's all that matters. Because if, if people don't think your product is good, regardless of whether it is or isn't good, it, that's that's the important thing. So you, as you said, you can't just forget about what these users have been experiencing since they've started using pads. So you know, just kind of negating or forgetting about peel because we have this new test method that's better or more conclusive. It we just can't. It's not a reality that we can we can live in because we can't change that consumer per perception on our own. We still have to account for those the what you know what they've been experiencing and dealing with with pads all their lives already. So to wrap up here, obviously we didn't just stop at testing things on our own. You know, we've we've we partnered with producers in some cases our customers to learn more, and I could I could talk about that, but I. Haven't been as involved in that as you two have. You you two are the ones that have been in front of the customers talking about this, working with them to collect data and then presenting that data back to them to to give them the best possible solution. So I I, I would like you two to kind of talk about the work that Bostic can do around stability and finding the right adhesive product for their pads. Yeah, the first thing to remember is that Bostic makes adhesives and not pads. So we're, we're making a component of the final finished product. And we really need manufacturer partners to join with us, to partner with us, and work towards that, that next best consumer experience. When a woman has a problem with a pad, she doesn't call Bostic. She calls or posts about or, or writes about or goes to the website of the manufacturer of that product. And so they have access to that data, they have consumer panel groups, they can probably do a better job than Bostic can. We'd be starting from scratch trying to get 
that consumer data. And so again, not necessarily an advertisement for our products, but an advertisement or an, an invitation to collaborate with us about how we can understand the consumer experience of the patch. And, and that can look like a lot of different things, right? It can can look like trials, can look like tests, can look like market studies. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff we can do. Yeah. And so we can take their feedback and their direction. And we typically start with market products. That's what we can get easy as we said. We don't make the pads ourselves. But we can start looking at what a pad looks like in the stability test method, in the PO method, how we can correlate anything in that area, what the different add-ons look like and the different adhesive patterns as well. How is that affecting the consumer experience? Those are many different factors in a very small package. As we said, we think about the pad as a total system and how each component is going to affect the end use. So we look at how we can recommend, as Lucas said, the best adhesive for the, the product at hand. When you're looking at uh, stability and the other test methods, it said there may not be a one-size-fits-all for all adhesive products and all pads. Again, not knowing where the adhesive is going to be stuck to, we talked about fabric choices and design choices. It's more of a partnering and learning with our our customers and what the consumer really needs in the marketplace. Yeah. And just to kind of add to that, wrap that up, reiterate what you both said. You know, we, we don't produce the pads. We can't do it on our own. We really want to use this as an invitation to producers out there of pads and not we're focusing here on menstrual pads, but light AI pads, certainly, you know, very similar products in many ways. So we're open to collaboration and, and partnering on that as well. But if you want to learn more about the stability test method, if you want to get your pads tested, if you have an interest in learning about it, our adhesive solutions for pad fastening attachment adhesive, please re you know, reach out to us. We have a form on our website. I'll throw it into the show notes, but we want to partner with you. We want to make sure we are doing all the due diligence we can to use and improve the test method to make sure you know our adhesives are meeting the, the, the standards of the industry, but also just to help our customers and producers in the market make the best products for the consumer. So if you're interested in that and you're a producer of, of pads, please talk to us. We're, we're happy to do so. We'd love to do that with you. So Jill, Luke, Thank you for coming in to share with us what you learned over the last several years working on the test method, on the fabrics, and, and on the product itself. This was very helpful for me and, and obviously the, the things that you, you two have helped put together over the last two to three years around this topic have been very beneficial to me and to others in the market. So thank you for that and, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. And thank you, Jill. So, as you heard... If you're getting negative reviews on the stay-in-place performance of your pads, it could be because you are testing the wrong thing. Bostick's stability test method can help you test how well your pad will stay in place when put under everyday forces and pressure, and whether you should consider changing your pad attachment adhesive or other components of your pad to ensure that it is meeting the expectations and needs of your consumers. As Jill and Luke said, if you want to test your pads against others in the market, then just click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form to speak with us about the stability test method so you can see how your pads stack up. Again, 
All you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, fill out the form, and when the form asks which area you'd like more information on, select services and support, mention the stability test method in your description, and then hit submit. After that, someone from Bostic will be in touch to learn more, and members of our technical team, like Jill and Luke, will be able to start testing your products. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we'd love to get your feedback on Attached to Hygiene so we can continue to improve the show. If you'd like to share your feedback and get our new CSR white paper as a gift, please click the link in the show notes or at the top of the page on attachedtohygiene.com to complete our survey. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd also like to extend a special thank you to our guests, Jill Shoy and Luke Burkholder. You can connect with Luke on LinkedIn or email either one of them at our dedicated hygiene email address, hygiene at Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.